0: You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over
1: into the midside. Welcome to the mid side where I am a bot. I bet you thought I was going to say Groot. I actually probably shouldn't have said bot either. I'm being a little facetious there. I'm being double facetious. Let's say that. I'm being double facetious there. Uh, Don't call yourself a bot. There's no reason to. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit later, though. First of all, I have to tell you who I actually am. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I also have to tell you about my co-host, tell you who he is, or oh, I don't know, I might have misgendered him at this point, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello, yes, I am not a fembot,
0: so we going to get that out of the right way, too. Yeah, how's it going? It seems like uh, seems like the uh, weather is getting a little crazy here in California, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, been those foggy mornings you know where you look outside and it looks like it's like there's rain coming down but it's really just the fog blowing around it's uh, it's uh it's that time of year the june gloom here in july you know what there is none of in florida
1: gloom? june or july gloom
0: <laughs> i don't know I, I, it seems like there's been some excitement in uh, some disney parks though
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get into all that stuff with the Disney parks and everything. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we roll into that? Any no, updates no. on your business or anything?
0: Yeah, things are going good with the with the business, and uh, things are moving along. And uh, no big announcements yet, but uh, hoping to have some soon. So,
1: very exciting times. All right. We look forward to those big announcements coming in the future. But now we're going to talk about all the hullabaloo, the exciting times over at Disney in... Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode locals is per month we appreciate any and all support including most especially affirmations because that's what we all run on on the internet is affirmations right we just we just like that like button that's all we like so just hit us with that uh And look, yeah, I know we're going to talk about Disney, but I do know what you guys want to hear us talk about. It's the name of the episode, right? We're going to get to it, but a little patience. There's more going on in the world. So first of all, we have to stop in Florida and Texas. Then we will go over to Hollywood, okay? All right. Patience. So a couple Disney updates, some stuff we've talked about before. And, and the reason I bring this stuff up, William, is not just because, oh, I live near Disney now, but because I think... I thought you lived at this, Disney.
0: Don't you, don't you live in Disney?
1: <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I'm about like two miles off property. <laughs> I mean, the only other thing would be with all their space, if they built condos on property, it would just... I mean, it would probably cost another 200000 to live there, but it would be a marginal difference. But yeah, I'm pretty much as close as you can be to being on property without being on yeah, property. I think,
0: you, I think you see the fireworks every night. Don't lie to people. You, you, live, you live, actually, you live OK,
1: so I did see the fireworks more in Anaheim than I do here. The reason for that is the spaciousness. And what I mean by that is Anaheim is so dense and everything's on top of the theme parks that even though I was probably four miles away in Anaheim and, you know, there was a lot of stuff in between. There was no like I mean, you know, the way California is, right? There were no trees or anything. It's just all you know, a concrete, uh, jungle, right. As they say. Yeah. So I actually yep. saw the fireworks more there, but if there's a really clear night and a really quiet night, yeah, I can see the fireworks past our little pond, past all the open road and everything. Yeah, just I can see the, fireworks. The, uh,
0: the parade, the daily parades, like, you know taking a wrong turn they take like one wrong turn like, <laughs> marching in front of your house
1: <laughs> that would be kind of dope if the main street electric parade just went down osceola parkway by accident you
0: know, well it's just some high school bands you know i was one of those high school bands back in the day i'm sure they still do that you just get one one bad bad uh, drum major take the wrong turn and all of a sudden they're in front of justin's house they're like oh, well crap. that would be all more right. interesting Break out the new fun glory
1: That would be more interesting than what's going on. And yeah, I mean, Newfound Glory, when they play at the House of Blues in Disney Springs, they actually go to Disney. So that's that's how close it is, because that's where I go to to see concerts now. So but that would be more interesting than what actually comes out of Disney these days. And I share these things because, as I was saying, not just because I live on property, but because I think this stuff is kind of representative of our culture. And I find it so intriguing how kind of crazy things have gotten. So the fir- first article that popped up on my screen this week, and when I say screen, I mean on my phone, is uh, another influencer getting dress coded and complaining that she wasn't doing anything, anything wrong. William, do you remember the previous uh, woman we talked about who was a TikTok influencer who got dress coded and complained? Uh, wasn't the, wasn't the, uh, the
0: dress coding something about uh, too revealing? Wasn't that? Yeah, like it was too revealing. It was, which uh, is... it was too sexy. For, uh,
1: right. For, and that's part of the trend that's going on now. Like, And we'll get into this with the second story, too. But there's just a feasibility here of too many people are being insane, are being irrational for, I think, anyone to feasibly police or keep track of. Because the new trend is everyone just walks around in like their sports bras. Which, I mean... To me, if it's a park for kids, that's something that Disney should think about. But here is actually the opposite side of this. This influencer is one of these people who goes and dresses up and take takes pictures in the park. So let me read a couple paragraphs from the article here. Uh, the influencer, and I'm saying that, I'm not saying her name because I don't want to give her attention, prefaced her outfit reveal by explaining that she runs a small business that sells Disney-themed clothing and accessories. So I'm going to stop there for a second, William. Nowadays everybody does this. Nobody wants to work for anyone else anymore. And I understand the dream of wanting to have your own business, but not everyone is capable of it. And also everyone jumps to, Oh, I'm just going to run it right away. They don't take the time to ramp it up and they don't take the time to create their own brand and have the money and the infrastructure to be able to do it. They just, you know, do other things then say they run their own small business. And it's also Disney themed, right? So it's not even off of her own IP. She's doing it off of their IP. So that first of all shows you her mentality. Despite being a Disney fanatic, she only gets to visit Disney 1 to 3 times a year, which 3 times a year, I mean, I know not everyone lives on property, but 3 times a year is pretty privileged, isn't it, William?
0: I that's still a lot of money. Right. I mean, it's not cheap. And, so uh, when she can go to Disney... Time
1: investment and stuff like that, yeah. Exactly. So when she can go to Disney, she used the opportunity to take product photos for her shop. She was st- shocked when the staff dress coded her. Now, without even going to what it is she was wearing, why would Disney let you take pictures to advertise to make money off of their work? Doesn't it make sense, even whatever, regardless of what she's wearing, if it's not their clothing and she's doing it to advertised for her store wouldn't it make sense that any company regard disney or not if this was universal i would expect the same thing that they would dress code her yeah and stop her
0: yeah it seems a right? little bit sussy to uh be taking your products like is she taking a pelican case in of all of her costumes and then just changing and putting them on while she's in there is a jewelry like I, i'm not even clear what what exactly her products are but like this seems really really
1: really strange It's very strange because especially when you find out what she was wearing, what you're saying about, like, is she carrying these things in? It's very weird. So this is the quote from her. So me being the extra person I am, by the way, people, not a good thing to be extra. I got a ball gown to take in to take in front of the Disneyland castle for product photos with my daughter. I've seen lots of influencers take pictures with ball gowns. I've done it before at Disney World. I really didn't think there was anything wrong with it. So, by the way, she's revealing that she goes to both parks, which that's even more money, right? TikTokers flocked to the comment section to share their takes on why she was dress coded. Due to various security and safety risks, floor-linked dresses are against Disney theme park dress codes, according to Disneyland's official website. Costumes may not reach or drag on the ground. And layered costumes surrounding the entire body may be subject to additional security screening. And someone else said, that dress is so puffy it can get caught up in between the rails of an attraction. I think that's the problem. I think it's the main problem. This is my thing, William, with this whole thing. You know, I've already pointed out all the little things. This is pure narcissism to me. Completely ignoring all the possible consequences and effects of what she's doing. Because this is what she wants to do because it makes her feel good. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm just kind of stuck on why are people seeking like a reason for this? Like, it seems like there's so many obvious reasons, right? Like, you don't want to be dressed up like a character is probably the most important reason. Uh, if you have like, like, I'm just imagining someone coming in and getting stuck on the roller coaster because they have like some crazy, like long stringy whatevers, uh, It's the old, uh, it's the old, um, um, what is it about wearing capes in uh, Incredibles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's Edna. I can hear Edna in my head saying, uh, no capes,
1: right? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the rides get shut down enough as it is. Imagine if they start getting shut down because of the costumes people are wearing. Also, who is an adult wants to wear costumes like this to the park? That's where this is rooted in. You know what I mean?
0: Clearly, Justin, you're not kinky enough. There's a lot of people that like to wear costumes.
1: (laughs) Okay. I was talking about different type of people. I don't think these people are uh, as sexualized as the joke you just made. (laughs) Do you get the point though? They're looking for reasons because they're not really looking for reasons. They're just arguing and yelling because their narcissism isn't being indulged. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're not looking at the like, but wait, why are you wearing a costume at Disney?
1: Right. Right. Why do you need to have a shop and why do you need to do a big giant ball gown to advertise your shop? What does that have to do with your apparel line and accessories? Are you selling ball gowns? Right, none of it makes any sense. And look, here's the thing. We like to just brush things aside. When I say we, I mean as a general culture because we say, "Hey, there are no real consequences to this," right? Oh, like she's not hurting anyone, right? But I think something I like to unpack here on the mid-side and maybe William you can chime in in a second here and tell me what you think is I like to unpack the unintended long-term consequences of you participating in behavior that seems harmless on the surface but is destructive to the self. She is hurting herself and ultimately if she continues like this it's going to hurt other people such as her daughter. Right? And then what is her daughter going to act like when she goes out into the world? And then if we have a bunch of people who are affected in this way, what's going to happen? Well, the next thing I want to talk about at Disney, I think, involves that. Mm-hmm. William, do you understand what I'm saying about like the unintended long-term consequences? Do you agree or disagree with me?
0: Mm, I, think, I, think, I think that these are <clears throat> indicators that we're going in that direction. I wouldn't necessarily call call them causal, but these are indicators that the culture is going in that direction. Does that make sense? It's a little softer yeah, yeah, yeah. version of, uh, I think, what you, the way you kind of said it so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I might have said it over the top and I might not have been so precise with my language. I like what you just said with indicator versus causal. But I mean, then we get into the whole discussion of what's an indication and what's a cause. And it's sort of circular and it's sort of, they overlap a lot, right? And yeah, in a way, it's kind of more academic. more
0: nuanced. Yeah. It's a more right, nuanced. Right.
1: It's nuanced. And it's more academic to sort of try and figure out the difference between the two, right? For my purposes, I, I don't. What, what good yeah, does it okay. serve me for, to parse that For your that purposes, out? you're
0: just gonna you're, you're just gonna point the finger and say, say uh, you're degrading the culture,
1: you narcissist, right? And hopefully, everyone who's <laughs> listening is entertained by me doing that. It doesn't then point the finger back at me and say you're doing the same thing. <laughs> But what I'm not doing is I'm not fighting at, uh, at, at at Magic Kingdom. And this is what I mean where the next thing is sort of the consequence of it, right? And the reason I, I picked out this story and I wanted to talk about it is I think there's actually two things here, and it's a, it's kind of a more nuanced story. So I'm going to read from, this is a Walt Disney World News Today uh, article. It says, the guests and their family were in line for Mickey's magic when one member realized their phone was left in their ECV. By the way, this writing is so bad. It's an example of why you need to use gendered pronouns. How about this? One member realized their phone was left in their ECV, so she exited to retrieve it. Why did you not just say she in the first part of the sentence? What's the purpose? Okay. On her way back in, the family in matching apparel denied to let her pass back to her family, pushing her back, So they could let the line move a bit further along. Upon exiting the theater, the Red Shorts and White Shirt family waited at the exit to confront them with one member of the guest family saying, listen, man, we don't want trouble. We don't appreciate you guys pushing my younger sister before quickly escalated into a shouting match. And then if you watch the video, I mean, we're talking like. Full on punches being thrown. People need to be separated. They are separated and then they start hitting each other again. So this is just like a full on fight. And here's the two things here, William, that I think are interesting and sort of makes everyone at fault. First of all, obviously, if someone's cutting the line, the reaction is not to get in a fight over it. And honestly, it's happened when I was there and you just kind of let them go. Why? Because you don't want there to be a problem. So that's kind of the first part of it is obviously the fighting is very, very wrong. And just let the person go. Right. It's one person. But on the other side of that, this goes to what we were saying, what I was saying about the number of people in costumes. And about the number of people dressing up and the number of influencers going to the park and taking pictures, the number of people cutting lines, now, it's not as bad as like a SeaWorld. I went to SeaWorld the other weekend. People are cutting the line all over the place. But this is still happening all the time at Disney. And it's wrong, too. The idea that one person will wait in line and then other people will go do other things like go to the bathroom or get drinks or go on another ride and then come back and get in line with that person. and Say, oh, you know, my party is waiting in front. I understand this is a logistical problem for Disney, but this is more of the narcissism, William, the idea that I don't have to wait in line. I can figure out a way to get around what everyone is supposed to do at Disney. Even though, by the way, Disney offers you the opportunity to pay to not wait in line. So now you're causing these problems because you're trying to save 10 bucks. You don't want to wait in line, but you also don't want to pay the 10 to $20 to not wait in the line. So do you see what I'm saying? That this entire situation all around is an indicator not a cause william an indicator of narcissism
0: yeah yeah
1: and i i can just imagine so i'm
0: i'm, I'm trying to think back to cedar point where you know we have the uh, the the outdoor lines with the uh, dj and the uh, beverages being served and stuff uh, and it it's not uncommon for someone to be like a little bit uh, a little bit placing a lantern on it like if you're in line for 2 hours someone might say Oh, I'm gonna go to the restroom. They'll kind of like raise their hand, and let people will know. Oh, yeah, this person's like literally cutting out of line and cutting right back in. But I think that mi- Midwest politeness kicks in a bit, and nobody makes a big deal out of it, right? I- I've seen that happen in Cedar Point, like, but that was, of course, when I was growing up. I, I, for some reason, I have a hard time imagining that happening in California. Does that make sense? I think the interpersonal yeah. hostility is just way too high. You can't expect like it. It's a people the the, adi- the sort of the attitude the uh, the, the the approach is a apologetic like oh you know like yes I should have you know gone to the bathroom beforehand or like I drank too much soda here in this two hour line like whatever it is it's a very right. apologetic right sort of like oh sorry I'm, I'm gonna go but I'll be right back right or my kid needs to go and we'll be right back you know uh, I've seen that happen but I, I for some reason I can't imagine ha- that happening in California am I wrong to think that.
1: No, because fights have been happening in Disneyland long before they've been happening in Disney World. I don't know if you remember, it was when I was still living there. There was a giant fight in Toontown over, I don't even remember. Uh, where the it was Toontown over. Actually, brawl
0: of 19-giggity-six.
1: Uh, 19-giggity-six. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they, I think that was within the same family, though. So that was extra farcical because the interpersonal hostility was even within the, the family. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right about that, and I think you're right about the people who are leaving are communicating to the people that they're going past when they're leaving, right? Oh, sorry, I uh, I had to go to the bathroom, right? And in which case, you're more if somebody has to go to the bathroom, I think you're more likely to let them go. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 people can understand as you know, obviously, people can take advantage of it too. That's why people are probably right. more skeptical of it these days, right? But, uh, right,
1: well, and that's, that's also why I'm kind of sympathetic towards Disney here, but also yeah. I think this is something Disney needs to address going forward, is uh, how do you make sure people aren't doing this, right? Because there's no, there's no honesty anymore. And what I mean by that is honesty with the self. Honesty with the self that you're doing something that's not proper, right? You're doing something that's harmful. And that's why I was talking about, William, I was talking about the external effects or, you know, The left loves to use the term externalities from economics, but just the idea of the how are you affecting other people, right? The golden rule of treat other people like you want to be treated or, you know, it's the whole thing. I don't know if this ever happened to you when you were a kid. You go to a place and it's like a natural park or something, a national park or a natural, you know, exhibit. And they say, well, if everyone took a stone, what would happen? There would be no stones left. Well, if everyone tried to cut, what would happen? It would just be everyone running to the front and it would just be literally a fight to get on the line. So well, what yeah. point do that's we? A, that's
0: my point with uh, with paying to cut the line. I'm like, well, if everyone pays, then we'll just all be in line together, and they'll cut the line line.
1: Well, right, but the theory behind that is they're going to get more money uh, off of the people who can't afford it, nah, and then the impatient, us,
0: impatient souls.
1: Right, and the impatient souls, but then people will start complaining about capitalism, and they say, "There's." I a don't team. know. I'm 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 secretly
0: want to someday be able to make that kind of money. You know, I, I've heard Adam Corolla talk about it on his show his kids uh, occasionally getting the uh, getting the uh, the Sherpa. Uh, the guide that just lets them cut in front of everyone's line. And I'm just like, wow, I, as much as I would, uh, I would hate cutting in front of people. Kind of like Adam talks about on, on a show. I, it would be nice for me because I, I just hate waiting in line.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't so, hate it at all. Actually. Uh, I had said a few weeks like- ago in the discord that I was going to talk about, uh, what I would, I finally figured out what I would do with my money if I were rich because I wouldn't really change my lifestyle all that much, and I didn't intend to go there in this episode, so we'll just do this very quickly. But what you just said is exactly what I would do. So one weekend, I wasn't sure if you know my wife was going to be able to go to the movies with me, and we both have the AMC pass, right? So I just bu- actually I knew she wasn't, so I just booked her ticket because she didn't have to pay any extra. The money's already paid, right, for the month, the subscription. And so I just had two seats. So I know no one could sit next to me. And then I realized I said, you know, if I was rich, it probably would make sense to just have two of these passes anyway, or just to buy an extra seat every time on either side of me, just so no one could sit next to me. And then I thought about it some more. And I said, really, that's the only difference that it would do. Like if I was super rich I would buy the house on either side of me so nobody could live there. <laughs> so I couldn't get annoyed by them yeah, and just yeah. pay for the upkeep of it. It's the same thing here. If I was rich, I would totally pay, maybe not to do the guide, but I would totally pay for the fast pass for every ride. Cause it wouldn't mean anything to me. And I'm talking about so rich that I have fuck me money. Right. As right, Adam Kroll right. says, not fuck you money. Fuck me money. That's what I would do. And I don't think that's narcissistic. I think that's using the system. And I think that's, Playing within the rules where these people are like, I want to act like I've earned this privilege where I don't have it. And I'm disrespecting the people who are equivalent to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not mean to people who are standing in line with me in a theme park because I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm right next to you. And what am I going to punch you in the face and then punch myself in the face? Like,
0: see, that's another thing. I I, I keep bringing up Cedar Point because I like the way they do their lines. Uh, you play Euchre in line. That's what that's what you do with the with the with the group uh, behind you you grab two people from the group behind you and and if your group is larger than the two people from the group in front of you you have two euchre games going
1: yeah, sometimes people play that heads-up game on the phone, the Allen game. Oh yeah, right? yeah. It's, ah, see, the, this is all this is all since uh, you know this high
0: school for me. There's no phone games back then, unless they yeah. we are talking like snake or something.
1: Well, uh, I mean that's a that's a greater problem that we can't even go into right yeah. now because it's beyond the scope of the Exploding episode. Exploding kittens uh, on the phone.
0: Yeah, we could get that going. We can get a whole line going of that. That'd be cool.
1: Or like I was just going to say, why not just talk to the people you're in line with? Like, well, we that's used what to do is for is for talking. You know? Yeah. Oh, when we're also talking about talking to the people that are around and understanding what the people around you are going through, I think let's take a brief jaunt over to Texas here and let's go back to the shooting that happened at the school in Uvalde because I read something, William, this week that is absolutely insane to me and it shows the level our bureaucracy has gotten to. And I, I think there's a level of narcissism here, too. So. This is the headline from reason.com. Uvalde cops also held back the officer whose wife was shot and dying. So as we know, two teachers died and the officer or the, sorry, the husband of one of the two women who died, one of the two teachers who died was one of the police officers. And here's a couple paragraphs from the article during the 77 minute period. In which nearly 400 police officers took no collective action to engage and neutralize the Robb Elementary mass shooter who had trapped dozens of dead and wounded second grade students inside a classroom with him. Right, and that's the known part. I had already known about that, which is absurd enough on its own. That's farcical enough on its own. But this extra part one officer can be seen heading down the hallway toward the killer's location, according to recently released body cam footage. The officer was Ruben Ruiz of the Uvalde Police Department. Ruiz was aware of the situation because he had received a call from his wife, Ava Miraliz, a Robb Elementary teacher. Miraliz, unfortunately, was inside the classroom and dying of a gunshot wound. So, William, he could confirm that she was dying. So this isn't like, oh, my God, she might be safe. This dude's wife was shot and bleeding out. Think about that for a second. In the footage, Ruiz tries to hurry past the other officers and approach the classroom gun in hand. He is stopped and held back. She said she's shot. He protests to no avail. So they didn't let him in. And this is what makes this so over the top to me, William. It's not like he's a random person. It's not like he's a random unarmed parent. It's not like the janitor had the mop and was like, I'm going in. And they stopped him because it's like, you're going to die, dude. This is a cop who has a gun. Them stopping a cop who has a gun from going in would be farcical enough on its own. But the fact that it's a cop with a gun whose wife is in there, well, that's even more farcical. A cop with a gun whose wife is in there and she's been shot and is bleeding out? Can you get more farcical than that, William? You can't write this. Isn't this where reality is more farcical than anything you could write? Like, if yep. you wrote that in a movie, it would. I, I would it. say it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Well, as Adam Carolla says, we're, we're, this is the second quote. If you're playing the di- drinking game, I think it's finished. Finish the bottle. There's always time for backup, right? And uh, and it's it's. I, isn't there a level of just like evading reality that is just not understandable? I mean, this poor person yes. is going to have to be in therapy for the rest of their lives. there's
1: multiple levels of evading reality. There's reality of what's going on in there and reality of what this dude who's in front of you is going through. I don't
0: care. I don't care what this is. Why? uh, This is why we don't allow, uh, in general cops to be in these kinds of situations that involve family members, because the whole reason that they're on the force is to pursue their values of their family and other things that are a higher value. Like, I don't care what else you take, uh, you know that all those oaths that you take uh to 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 follow those rules are to protect are to uh you know get you things to protect your family so like yeah you're going in you're you're taking that uniform off you're, you're acting as the as as the father husband you you, you know uh, this is your loved one in there and you have the actual information right like i, I don't i don't understand right that this this whole this whole thing that the investigation so far has just been like oh they thought it was a hostage situation they mislabeled it a hostage situation that's why we got into this mess and it's like how much evasion like fact upon fact upon fact when they arrived
1: showed that it was not and, and right and that's, just that's completely. That's PR, that's trying to cover for a lawsuit, because if you read everything that happened, that dude went into both rooms that were connected multiple times and trying to shoot anyone he could see. So during that period where he was locked in there, leaving him in there isn't stopping and saving anyone. All it's doing is making it so he can shoot anyone that he can see. All the stories I read are the people who survived were either hidden or they acted like they were dead for the whole time. The fact that there were 11, 12-year-old kids who were smart enough to act like they were dead... Or, I mean, yeah, I guess they were younger because they were elementary. We're talking, like, nine-year-old kids who were like, oh, I should act like I'm dead. That's, like, that's heroic enough on its own, right? Like, you could make a whole movie about that kid who pretended yeah. to be dead. I mean, how smart do you have to be at nine years old? I mean, if I was nine and that was happening, I'd be dead. Because I'd be like, I gotta do something, right? But the fact that that kid figured out I gotta pretend to be dead? Like, that's smart. So you're not fooling anyone by saying it was a hostage situation. And... I don't care. This is a situation where I want him to be someone who is invested in this. Right. I want his family member to be there because I want him to kick down the door and go in there and try and pull her out. That's what we needed in this situation. Remember back at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas when we found out and I was irate mm. about the fact that that kid had been reported to the FBI numerous right. times. Right. And right. nothing was done. This is the next logical manifestation of this. We are literally seeing how inaction is what is leading to these tragedies.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, we see that these these laws are only uh, only going to be used. These sort these sort of the, the FBI is only interested if there's some sort of political angle to it. Right? There's no political angle to to this, so they're not gonna. There's no. There's no long arm of the law here, you know. There's there's uh there's more, there's more other bigger fish to fry, right? We gotta get Steve Bannon uh, in front of uh, in front of a judge, right? Right. Um, and we, but no this time goes for back these to these kids that are that are that are um, clearly on a on a mental decline. There's no time
1: for that, right? But it goes back to what you were saying about um, you know the difference between a cause and Evidence or what was the word you used? Indicator. 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 Yeah. Cause it's an and indicator, 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 right? Cause, yeah. Right. The yeah. causes are what we're seeing on a daily life, daily, daily basis. Or um, to put a more fine tune on it, people are way too worried about the academic discussion nowadays. Everybody in the world's worried about that. Why are they in the moment trying to figure out if it's a hostage situation or not? If you're a cop on the ground, that's not what you're doing. Right. And let's let's think of it this way. That's not what you should be doing. Let's think of it this way. The dude comes to you and let's say it's already been classified as a hostage situation. The dude comes to you and his wife is there bleeding out and you go, you know, I can't let you. It's a hostage situation. I've seen shows, shows where in that situation they would let him go in still. It just it doesn't make any sense. Nobody's worried about living in the immediate moment and figuring out logistically how to handle things anymore. We're always worried about, and this goes back to the language policing, everything, how to classify everything, how to figure everything out. So that kid gets reported to the FBI multiple times. Well, we don't know how to handle it because we don't know how to classify it. And we're worried about being sued and the lawsuits and the political backlash, as you were saying.
0: Yep. I don't know. I don't have much to say on this topic. It seems like uh it's uh it hits all everyone's nerves in all the right places. It's uh so uh just uh, it it's just so so much incompetence on display, so much uh uh evasion on display. It's it's hard to watch. It's like you wouldn't believe it if
1: you saw it in a movie. Well, if we're gonna talk about movies. And we're gonna about to talk about Competence incompetence, rather. If we're gonna talk about movies, we're gonna talk about incompetence, and we're gonna talk about evasion on display. I think what we are gonna have to spend a little bit of time on here, William, is uh the continued Snyder Cut saga. And I say continued because holy shit, William, how is this still going on? Because, so this week oh, hold on, I can tell you why. Because
0: Gamergate. It all goes back to Gamergate. Remember that article? I, I have a theory. This all goes back to Gamergate, but we'll get into that.
1: Well, I think that as I go through this article, I think you'll be able to pull that out, and I think they do reference Gamergate in here, right? I think they do, but they 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 they, they don't know how right they are. They don't know how right they are in the sense that Gamergate's on the correct side, correct? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. They, they,
0: this is this is this playbook. This is why they never let go of Gamergate. Uh, the same playbook of attack. Like they're still bringing up Gamergate years later, and I think this is this is an attempt to do the same thing with the Snyder Cut.
1: It is 100% an attempt to do the same thing. And what you're talking about, that playbook, is why it's important for us to talk about it here. Because here's the thing. This is the article. The article is exclusive from Rolling Stone. Exclusive. Fake accounts fueled the Snyder Cut online army. And the whole thing is essentially claiming that, you know, uh, bots and a toxic fandom are what drove the Snyder Cut. Now, for most people, when we're talking about the whole academic versus practical way of going about this, I would say the best approach is to ignore this. Don't respond to it. Don't call yourself a bot. That's why I did it facetiously, double facetiously at the top of the show, right? There's no need. All you're doing is bringing attention to this and granting it legitimacy, right? As we've seen on social media, how many people get legitimacy, right? Flat earthers have more legitimacy now than they've ever had. I had never heard of a flat earther until I was in my late 30s. Because now they have legitimacy on the internet. It's the same thing. So the question then becomes, well, why am I talking about it? Right? Why are we going to talk about it here? Why am I going to break this article down? Because I believe if you followed the show, if you know me, I believe that we are in a unique position, William, as you just said, with your Gamergate knowledge, that adds to what I'm saying here even more. We are in a unique position from our, our platform here, the Midside, from our expertise, And particularly our knowledge of Snyder's art and what happened over the whole Snyder Cup movement. And, and William, what you were just saying about our perspective on things like Gamergate, The Last Jedi, all of these things. I think The Last Jedi comes up in here as well. Right. Or I read someone saying something. No, I think I read someone saying something about The Last Jedi as well. Similar, oh, there were attacks on The Last Jedi trying to make it seem bad when it isn't. No, The Last Jedi is a terrible movie as a movie, not even talking about the politics of it. Um, I mean, let me give you an example. I've had two people say to me that this must, this article must have been a slap in my face, right? Because I, I've been there from the beginning, pushing the Snyder Cut movement. If you remember, it was pretty much right after the other movie was released. Before it, I mean, we knew leading up to it that this wasn't the the Snyder Cut when it was released in theaters. But to me, it wasn't. It was this. This article is not a slap in my face because. The other thing you may remember, William, is all the battles I had within the movement about why are we letting these people act toxically? Why yeah. are we letting these people attack people? I know the two main people who were responsible for that side of the fandom have, of course, since disappeared. Well, right? You were which, also
0: pointing out there were people trying to co-opt it into other things, too. Right? right.
1: Who have then since disappeared, which makes me wonder, hey, is there some sort of uh, subterfuge going on here? Like, we have to wonder, this is what we have to wonder nowadays with this type of article, right? How intentional, how planned out are people with these things? Do they see these movements growing and then they put in moles to make things look bad? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, oh, we see a toxic side going, we're going to fan the flames of that because that can aid no, us. No, like- I, I think that's, uh, hold on, every community attracts trolls. Like it, it, that's true. It,
0: that's just, I think it's, it's like the law of the internet. I think it's probably the first law of the internet. Like even before, what is it? The, uh, the rule. What is it? The the porn rule. that uh, you know, there's a reason
1: there's other rules before the porn rule. This is, this is even before the porn rule. You'll have trolls. Right. And it's up to you to say something to them and get rid of them or do your best to minimize them. Because if you don't, People can do things like this article and try to take advantage of that. So I'm going to break this article down. And what do I hope to achieve by doing it? Well, here's an exchange I had with midsider Lucid Fitzpatrick. He said to me, you know, as a passive observer, I thought the whole Snyder Cut saga was just a fringe thing. Rabid fans try to influence Hollywood. I loved Watchmen and Man of Steel and wanted to see what a director's cut would have looked like over the debacle that was Whedon's release. But looking back now, it was and continues to be the front line of a bigger battle of art and culture. And I replied, as I've said for how long? And he said, as long as I've listened. I heard it all along the way. I only see it now. So my point here is to try and help other people see this, that this is just another example of the same battle I've been talking about in regards to Snyder's art. And it's the same battle with The Last Jedi. It's the same battle with Gamergate that William's talking about here, I think. If I can predict a little bit of what you're going to say, William. It's the idea that Snyder is making things that threatens what the cultural elite and what, you know, the so-called deep state and all those people, whatever conspiracy you want to say. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think it's a group of people who they have a style of life that's threatened by Snyder's art, and they don't want that to exist Because if that exists and more people like it, well, that takes away from what they're doing in life and takes away from their success. He is a threat to other people. And I've been saying that for a long time. And I'm hoping that you can see that now, because here's the thing. I'm hoping to show you that. Here's the thing. This article is framed as an attack on the fan base in the movement, but it's not William. It's an attack on Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. When you read it, did you get that sense, too, that it was an attack on Snyder? Yes,
0: yes, because of the
1: characterizations of Snyder.
0: Right. Anyone who knows anything about Zack Snyder would read that and be like, who are they talking about? Are they talking about Whedon?
1: Yeah, right. No, I mean, that's the absurd part about this, right? If you sub in any other person for Zack Snyder, this reads completely differently, right? Right now, you're like, uh, what? But if you put Joss Whedon in there, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because here's the thing. By implication, they're trying to say that he is basically an evil genius, Right. I mean, this walks all the way up to accusing him of creating the entire movement to defraud WB and to releasing his cut of Justice League without this, actually Justin, I, I've logged into into uh, Zack Snyder's
0: uh, 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 AWS account. It is called Hale Snyder. And it's a bunch of uh, of Twitter bots.
1: Justin, it's confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what the article is saying, right? Yes. Yes. So now we're going to go through and I'm going to read some quotes. Let's go here. A deep dive here. Zack Snyder was becoming increasingly agitated. That sentence in itself sounds like fan fiction. So over the course of several weeks, this is a bad romance novel. This (laughs) This is great. In the spring of 2020, the director repeatedly demanded that the names of two producers, Jeff Johns and Jeff John Berg, be removed from his upcoming recut of Justice League, the DC superhero movie that had tanked back in 2017. I love the language here. Demanded. Tanked his high-powered CAA agent began calling Warner Brothers Daily to check out why the pair hadn't been excised from the list of credits. By the way, that sentence, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's his job. That's what that dude does. He calls How people. How dare he do his job so effectively? <laughs> Justin, can you believe it? How evil? We're supposed to be How lazy. evil that this agent
0: who one of his wow. most Let successful Let me get this straight. Clients. A high-powered... Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. A high-powered... Like, let's use their own characterization. This is a high-powered, which must mean a very effective agent, right. doing his job very effectively. This must be... this. The only explanation here is evil.
1: For a client who makes him a lot of money. How dare he call di- daily for a client who makes him a lot of money. Wow. Simultaneously, Snyder's wife, Deborah, another producer in the film, started pressing an executive in the studio's story department with the same directive. Oh my god, people who share values are trying to talk to people about their values. Snyder and, and, and let's, the other Let's couple. get this straight.
0: On a movie that whose uh, themes deal with justice, they want to take out <laughs> people's names who had nothing to do with and in fact fought against the project. <laughs> and and we're we're supposed to say that's evil, right?
1: The people who made Justice League want there to be justice in the
0: credits of Justice League. Oh no. This must, uh, there's only one explanation for this. Hitler.
1: White white supremacy. Well, Bots, they don't say Russian Hitler, trolls. they say they say Lex Luthor in here, but... Oh, Lex Luthor. Sn- well, isn't S- that the same thing? Yeah. Snyder admits the couple, and there's, this is in quotes, asked the studio to intervene after, and more quotes, a personal plea to Berg was ignored. So... They're putting in quotes because that's what he actually said, but they're doing it in a way it's like kind of making fun of it. Like it wasn't actually asking and it wasn't actually a personal plea. They're calling into question the idea that it was that they're saying that's how Snyder portrayed it. But it really wasn't. And they're doing that because they're going to quote someone here on June 28, 2020. Snyder had had enough. According to multiple sources familiar with the matter, Snyder confronted an executive in the studio's post-production department and issued a threat. Jeff and John are dragging their feet on taking their names off my cut. Now I will destroy them on social media. First of all, who is this executive in the studio's post-production department? Like, put your name on it if you're going to claim he said this. And that's the other thing is, Snyder, this doesn't sound like him at all. It sounds like somebody was characterizing what Snyder said. Yeah. Right. Which this is flawed. This is based on the perspective of the studio's post-production department executive. And that's filtered through the the writer.
0: Let's exactly let's exactly concretize this. This sounds like a game of telephone, right? Snyder says you I can I can imagine Snyder saying something like, hey, you know, if this is going to keep going, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to make this public. Right. Then, then the game of telephone goes, because that's his only recourse, right? Then the game of telephone goes, oh, they're going to you know massacre him in social media if we don't do something, right? You, you can see how that
1: gets mangled up the chain, right? Right. Which also, that's already starting the implication that is in control of it. Where if he's just like, hey guys, I just want to let you know that if you don't take your name off, they already hate Jeff Johns, and if you're staying associated with him, they're going to go crazy on you. And he's sort of trying to use that as a ret- like, that's a good rhetorical argument, right? Like, hey, guys, I know what's in your best interest because we know Snyder deals with that. I know what's in your best interest. So I'm going to make an argument based on your best interest. And they go, oh, well, he's going to tell his fans to attack us now, even though yep. he never said that. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, as far as the bad faith of this article, besides all this language we've already picked out in the style of writing, there's another thing here. As I just said, Snyder's never said a bad word about Jeff Johns publicly. Never, never, never. And he even mentions that. And you know where that quote is? At the end of the article. Yeah. Yeah. Which is absurd. If 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 he's being accused of threatening someone, and you're being an honest reporter, wouldn't you put his quote at the beginning and then afterwards say, "Well, those are the two sides of the story, but, but the Justin, real story if he is actually the more bots." Nuance. Then
0: then he's had the bots say it for him. If he right. controls the bots, uh, let me ha- let me log into the Hale Snyder AWS account again and see. Yeah, there it is. Right. I mean, it's, it's
1: right there. Yeah. Right. But the point is, the author is intentionally burying this quote rather than being honest with the story, because this isn't an honest story. So here's the quote. Here's the here's the paragraph buried in the second left paragraph. Still, Snyder wasn't satisfied. As Johns and Berg's names remained on the project as of summer 2020, sources say the director blamed the pair for his losing control of the DC universe when they replaced him to run the portfolio of superhero films back in 2016. Which side of side side note? That's warranted, right? They are to blame for it. I still think that this was all a power play by Jeff Johns. Then, after four months of a fancies targeting Johns and Berg, they were quietly removed from the credits. Snyder notes, by the way, this isn't a parenthetical, parenthetical Snyder notes that neither he nor his wife have ever said anything negative about Jeff Johns or Johnsburg on social media or in interviews and says they wanted the pair's names removed from the credits because this was not the movie they believed in developed or helped us get made. So, again, does that sound like somebody who's going to say I'll destroy them? And why is this buried at the end of the article? Wouldn't you, if you're doing a fair and balanced article at the beginning, have the two sides here? Oh, well, here's one side where here's the executives just trying to get a movie made, trying to make some money. And here's the other side. Here's a Dick director. Right. And here's how the director thinks he's a good guy. And here's how the executives think he they're good guys. Isn't that a much more compelling argument, a much more compelling article, William? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go forward to another quote here from the article, another paragraph, a toxic social media movement had already been building around the director since at least 2018 spiking with online cries for Warner brothers to release the Snyder cut of justice league two years earlier as Snyder demands escalated behind the scenes, including for more money to finish his four hour director's cut of the film for HBO max and access to intellectual property. By the way, I love how they call it demands like if you go in there and you're like, yeah, I'll do it, but give me more money. Like, is that a demand or is that a request? So did a flood of attacks aimed at Warner Brothers calls for boycotts, demands for some executives to be fired, even death threats against them. Fans went after anyone or anything deemed a danger to the so-called Snyderverse and Cunning- Directors like Adam Wingard, whose Godzilla vs. Kong launched on HBO Max 13 days after Snyder cut and stole some of its thunder, and movies like Wonder Woman 1984, on which Johns was a writer. The onslaught included cyber harassment so severe Warner Brothers' security division got involved. A Warner Brothers Discovery spokesperson declined to comment as this matter predates the current leadership and new company. Look, first of all, that, art, that quote by the New People Post merger is hilarious. But I have, from the beginning, said, William, that the threats existed, the boycotts existed. And what did I say? Do you remember what I've said about the boycotts? Do you remember the conversation about the boycotts? Man, it's been a while. Refresh my memory. I, I said they're ineffective. You're asking for something. You're not saying... Yeah. I don't like what you're doing. So I'm going to stop going and stop giving you my money until you stop doing it. You're saying, I'd like you to do something. You don't achieve that by boycotting. Do you get what I'm saying? You don't get them to make a movie. You get them, you ask for it. You tell them why it's to their benefit. And I never agreed with the attacking, I never agree with the death threats. This is all the toxic side. And now we're reaping the consequences of it because if you engage, this is engaging in a discourse based on the Marxian idea of oppressor oppressed. And that can only lead to further conflict. It's and people had this perspective, right? The idea that, Oh, this is the evil Warner brothers corporation oppressing us. Yes. There was that side of the fandom, but I always stood against it. And look, when I say I'm trying to get you to see what's going on here now, midsiders, listeners out here, maybe your Snuttercut Snyder Cut listeners are listening to this, right? I'm trying to get you to see this now. Do you see how engaging with that side and engaging with that perspective can only further lead to this? They still see you as a threat. They still see those people as a threat. It's not interpersonal hostility. It's trying to negotiate and try to say, hey, we want this. You can give this to us. Here's how it's of value to you. And some people are doing this because this came out, William, when the Snyder Cut was released on digital. And it's very high on the iTunes ranking now because people said, "Okay, we're going to buy stuff to show you that, you know, we do like this and this is valued. That's the way to approach it. But people always said, oh, boycott, boycott, boycott. Another paragraph continuing. And as the mayhem built... Many insiders question how organic the Snyder vs. Legion really was. By the way, Legion, giving it a religious fervor. According to two reports commissioned by Warner Media and recently obtained by Rolling Stone, hmm, I wonder how Rolling Stone obtained it. At least 13% of the accounts that took part in the conversation about the Snyder Cut were deemed fake. Well above 3-5% to that cyber experts say they typically see on any trending topic. In public filings, Twitter has estimated that the percentage of da- daily active accounts on its platform that are false or spam is less than five percent. So, while Snyder had scores of authentic, flesh and blood fans, those real stands—by the way, we're stands now, we're not fans, right? They're giving us a again legion stands. See how they're trying to portray even the rational people? We're amplified by a disproportionate number of bogus accounts. Okay, wait, well, my suck at math. So check me on this. 100 minus 13 is 87, right? Despite that silence, I'm completely wrong, yeah, William. Sorry, I hit the, uh, I hit the uh, mute. Yes, 87. Oh. 87. 87%. And by the way, I originally thought it was 77. That's how bad I am at math. But even <laughs> if it was 77, right? How does 13% of accounts amplify 87% of accounts? Isn't the problem, like I've been saying, the 87% of accounts is amplifying the 13%? Isn't that what's going on? Isn't that why you're saying there's always going to be trolls who are going to ride the coattails, jump on the bandwagon? Of course, of course. It's it's ridiculous here, right? It's ridiculous here. And here's the thing. Here's another thing I want to add to this. If this is a more popular movement than we've ever seen before, because I would say, William, that the Snyder Cup movement was larger than any online movement I've seen before, wouldn't that mean it would attract a higher number, a higher percentage of trolls and bots? Yeah, it would. So isn't the 13% then, if we're not reasoning from a conclusion, right, if we're not reasoning from a conclusion, isn't the 13% either evidence of two things? One someone trying to manipulate the movement or multiple people trying to manipulate the movement and make it seem bigger than it is as the Rolling Stone is claiming or B, a natural B or two, a natural consequence of a movement being larger. Yeah. Aren't either of those conclusions equally valid and would need to be investigated? Yes. And they're probably both true. And Correct. what I mean by that is we've, we know that
0: <clears throat> we know for sure we have necessary, uh, 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 uh Conditions when it comes to the trolls, when any movement attracts trolls. And then on the flip side, any organic movement is going to be uh, uh, attempted to be co opted for other political or ideological gains, right? Every every movement has to deal with that. Right, and we'll get
1: into that in a second, but there's another quote here which shows the implication. Rolling Stone spoke with more than 20 people involved with both the original Justice League and Snyder's Cut, most of whom believe that the director was working to manipulate the ongoing campaign. Snyder claims that if anyone was pulling strings on the social media fervor, it was Warner Brothers trying to leverage my fan base to bolster subscribers to their new streaming service. But one source maintains Zach was like a Lex Luthor wreaking havoc. OK, William. So here we have the author not claiming it directly, but letting other people claim it. Also, 20 people who are all anonymous. Right. And then comparing Zack Snyder. I have a a
0: rule. I have a rule when we read anonymous or unattributed or uh, attributed to a title quotes. These are not the author. uh, These are not uh, those people saying it. This is the author saying it. we have to in today's media, everything that is unattributed and even some of the things that are attributed. We have to say the author claims this. Right. Not not the not the not this. Uh, this window dressing of an anonymous source the author is saying this so I'm not even given giving that Justin that's 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 uh, that's word uh, uh, that's uh, hiding behind uh, uh, an anonymous source that any anonymous source it I can a- as an author the media has no ethics today uh, very few people in the media uh, have ethics today so when you see anonymous source you must automatically assume the author says this not someone else.
1: So you would even say, then, this quote comparing Zack Snyder to Lex Luthor, you would say that that's the author's quote?
0: Yes, yes, because you just shop around. Like, uh, an, an uneth- unethical reporter will just shop around until they get an anonymous source to say it. Or just not I see even what bother you're doing that and then just... Saying an source says it.
1: Yeah, because right? that's a that's fair. That's a technique they do teach, right? And you actually see this in press conferences, and uh, Bill Belichick shuts them down all the time, right? Where they're fishing for a quote from Bill Belichick, and that's why you know he famously was like, "We're on to Cincinnati." Right. Because they ask him questions and he doesn't give them the quote they want because he knows what they're driving at. Right. He knows they're trying to create drama. So I see what you're saying here. They they shopped around until someone compared him to Lex Luthor. You know, oh, would you say perhaps he was acting like one of his villains and someone say, yeah, Zach was like uh, Lex Luthor wreaking havoc. And they're like, gotcha and put it in here. How insane, though, is it compare? Is it to compare Zack Snyder to Lex Luthor? Right. Zack Snyder is a movie director who, uh, as far as I know, has only made movies, right? I mean, he's done commercials and music videos, but he hasn't, like, uh, I don't know, like, manipulated the two greatest superheroes in the world to fighting each other so that one of them dies. He's never done that, right? I don't
0: recall that, no. I mean, COVID has, has, you know, messed up my uh, memories on some things, but I don't think think long COVID involves that kind of uh, memory loss.
1: Right, and he didn't give a... um, he didn't give a victim of an alien attack who lost his legs a new wheelchair with a bomb in it to blow up the Capitol.
0: I don't remember Zack Snyder ever blowing up the Capitol or being involved on January
1: 6th. Right. So that that was Lex Luthor then. Uh, not to compare uh, Donald Trump to Lex Luthor. That's a whole different yeah. discussion. <laughs> not, you just opened a door. I am not supporting or denying that implication. You can have your own consequences right, on that. We're talking right. slowly, about, slowly about this, but that was funny. <laughs> okay so let's go back to the bots now that we firmly said it if you are listening at this point and you do not see the implication here that they're saying Zack snyder completely fabricated and manipulated the snyder cut movement to force wb into releasing his movie i don't know what you're paying attention to and by the way if he did do that good on him right this is kind of like a howard Rourke thing i actually have a quote from somebody else within the snyder cut movement i won't say who uh, I'm, I'm just pulling it up here i screenshotted it uh, This is what he said And I won't say who it is But he said This is a, this is a well-known Snyder Cut influencer Like they put Snyder through all of this Long before they were subjected to it Not to say that it makes it okay Or that it was even coordinated by Snyder But you know what If he did steal corporate property And orchestrate a bot army To decimate WB's reputation And force them to give $100 million To make Zack Snyder's Justice League Good What a fucking boss William, isn't that why Snyder said, I'm not going to use one frame of Joss Whedon's movie? If I did, I would literally blow the fucking thing up. Wasn't he intentionally referencing Fountainhead for this reason? Isn't, look, this is what you do if you are paying attention. If you're listening to what I'm saying and you're paying attention to anything that's happened in the last two years, this will make you sympathetic to what Howard Rourke did. That's the entire point of the climax of The Fountainhead. That you see all this shit and then Rourke goes at the end, he goes, yeah, well, they took it from me, so I fucking blew it up. And you're like, yeah, what a boss. Isn't that the entire point of Rourke's speech in The Fountainhead? Yeah. Yep. So, again, ultimately, evil is impotent. Right? Evil is impotent. So, all we're doing here is we're pointing out The absurdity of it, right? We're witnessing, we are doing a detailed witnessing of the farce right now to prove to you all, let's just laugh at this. Let's just point out how absurd all this is. Okay, let's go back to the bots, William. After researching online conversations about the Snyder Cut of... The Justice League's release, specifically the hashtags Release the Snyder Cut and Restore the Snyderverse By the way, I have never once used the hashtag Restore the Snyderverse I do not support Restore the Snyderverse I think it is a a fool's endeavor I think it's... And somebody said it somewhere It's like asking two divorced people from a toxic relationship To get back together and have another baby Uh, no thank you On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram The analysts detected an increase in negative activity Created by both real and fake authors The report concluded... One identified community was made up of real and fake authors that spread negative content about Warner Media for not restoring the Snyderverse. Yes, and that's the toxic arm of the movement that I want nothing to do with. And look, I'm not involved with that. Additionally, three main leaders were identified within the author's scan on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. One leader on each platform. I don't know who they're talking about on Facebook and Instagram, but William, you've already alluded to earlier who I've always pointed out was... One of the leaders, the major leader who they're probably referring to here on Twitter, and that he had a different agenda and has since disappeared, right? Yeah. These leaders received the highest n- amount of engagement and have many followers, which gives them the ability to influence public opinion. Furthermore, the report stated, many authors who were spreading harmful content. Harmful. About then, harmful content, sorry. I- whatever. Yeah. My pronunciation. No, no, Get no! I'm, I,
0: I'm, I'm not cor- correcting the pr- pronunciation. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out it's harmful content. Right, oh. like <laughs> disagreeing with people, uh, having advocating for things that are not part of the media narrative, that are not pro uh, corporatist, is harmful.
1: Right. Sorry, I misunderstood you. Yes, and it, and it goes back to the idea that words are weapons. Right. The idea right, that right. War, you know, sticks and stones can break your bones, apparently. Uh, about then Warner Brother chair. And Sarnoff, who had called the fan trolling reprehensible in an interview with Variety, yo, like, why do these people I, get so, so upset about tro- trolling? Yeah,
0: this is for- first of all, this is forced teaming um, in a, in a different direction, uh, meaning like, uh, and this is this is the Gamergate correction uh, connection, uh, and there's multiple connections here, but this is the Gamergate connection. That's why I have to intercede here because yeah, go ahead. The- Whenever, whenever someone is online, and they are losing the argument, and they are, it's mostly coming from the cultural left, but the folks on the right do it as well, the political right, um, they immediately point to the trolls that are in every community and say, look, this community has trolls, and the trolls represent the entire community, and therefore their argument should not even be considered. And this is, uh, but first of all, I have to disavow everything that ever uh, has been said or ever will be said about Gamergate because here's the thing you can't talk about Gamergate in these terms. You can't bring this nuance, right? Yeah. You can't say that, um, that the, the trolling is, uh, reprehensible but expected on the internet. And also the folks have a point, right? The people have a point. Meaning, yeah. You know, in, in the case of Gamergate, Ethics in journalism is a thing that gaming journalism does not have, and in the case of the Snyder Cut, that you know people want this piece of art and they want it to exist and they're willing to spend for it and they're willing to support it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. This
0: is this is all this is all uh, a response to uh, customers. Uh, not being able to be controlled by their the press and marketing department, and and that's that's the problem that they're that they're trying yep. to attack. It's nothing to do with the actual issues that the fans in uh, in the Snyder Cut case or the game uh, gamers and gaming culture back in the day. You know this 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 is exactly echoes the GamerGate controversy. There are still people today talking about. How you know GamerGate is the root of all evil in 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 the culture because it was the f- first really public battleground where folks were saying, "Hey, this is not good," and then being these tactics were being used, right? Where you reverse what 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 they are doing, you are saying, "Oh, you're gatekeeping." Well, wait a minute, you're telling us we're not part of the culture because we're not you know because we don't like certain things, right? Right. So you're coming in and dictating what we you're you're telling us what we like and don't like while at the same time we're telling you what we like and don't like. And you're calling us racist, misogynist, all the things that they say, right? They point at the bad people in the community and say, obviously these, this is you, right? Um, and, and so you, therefore we don't have to listen to your arguments or your point of view or what you want. You can't wa- want what you want. Cause what you want is evil. Yeah. A hundred
1: percent. And,
0: and what I have you're to disavow saying, that immediately, because, uh, because uh, you know, if I ever want to work in the gaming industry, you can't hold that nuanced view.
1: Right, 100%. And here's the thing, William, that's crazy about it. You want to know what's crazy about it? Is what you just said literally happens in every fucking industry and on all sides of fucking everything. Do you right?
0: think, Justin? Yeah. Do you think, Justin, that you could be uh, a public figure in Hollywood and be for the Snyder cut or the Snyder cut movement, even if it's, you know, just, just that surface level saying like, well, yeah, I think it's great, what, what Snyder was able to do and what the community did um, with getting it made, just that surface level. Do you think anyone can say that in Hollywood and ever work in Hollywood again?
1: I think only if you have fuck me money. And I think when you see like the creator of Deadpool said stuff and supported it, right. And that actually goes to exactly the next quote I wanted to say, which isn't from the article. I'm pulling something out from elsewhere that has to do with, Um, what you're saying about bots being everywhere, right? And to be expected, Uh, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, who the only reason he can own All Elite Wrestling is because his family, his dad, also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and owns an English Premier League team, so they have fuck-me money, right? They have fuck-me money to the point that he was like, Dad, give me millions of dollars so I can found another wrestling company. Yeah. Right? He says an independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community aren't real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts and army of bots to signal boost them. Look closely. These aren't real people who'd pay for such a wildly expensive thing. So, you know, Tony Khan shouldn't be whining about something that happens all over the place, but that's the thing it's, it's happening in pro wrestling too. So it's not just gaming. It's not just movies. It's everything. It's remember all the talk about bots after the Trump election. It's everywhere. Right. And let's 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 not ignore this. Right. Right. Let's not ignore this. When did the bots really start? Do you remember back in 2016 when everything was anti Snyder? Yeah, everything was anti Snyder. And do you remember the bots back then
0: story, every every article like there would be a cooking article and it would have a Snyder dig in it.
1: Right. And, oh uh, yeah, I remember uh, when there was a dig on the MTV show, Are You the One, against Ben Affleck's Batman back then. That's how pervasive yeah. it was. Yeah, The MTV pervasive. reality dating show. And I was like, really, dude? You got to do that to, to virtue signal to be cool? That was the virtue signaling before the social justice virtue signaling. Not Zack Snyder, in particular, just art. You had to say what entertainment you were aligned to. And that still happens in Marvel today. But bot-wise, that continued with, there were so many bots on Twitter repeat literally the same thing over and over again about how dark and depressing the Snyder cut was or not the Snyder cut the this yeah the Snyder cut of Batman versus Superman was do you remember that yeah I do and they would tell you how he should be fired I remember that so all right so the, to continue with this reporter that means a fandom amplified by fake accounts helped shake down a major studio at an ultimate cost to Warner Brothers of more than 100 million to re-release a movie that had already bombed years earlier. Do you think so again, they made money, Justin? Off the Snyder cut? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think the way I think the problem this is what I think. I think the main problem is they lost money because they basically gave Joss Whedon more money to make a, a different movie yeah. which bombed completely and didn't make money. And that's, if you look at your bottom line, I think if you look at the bottom line, if you minus a hundred or minus like 300 million or whatever they gave to Whedon, that's the real that's cost real issue. Yeah. yep, Right.
0: Yeah. Cause you got to wonder, I, this is so uh, the, 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 uh, shill media here, the, the, uh, the studio shill media, Rolling Stone is definitely a part of that. This doesn't get written unless the the studios want it to be written. Right, it's very rare that you get something, right. uh, unless it's particularly salacious and the and the journalists can't help themselves. Um, that you would get something like this. So you have to ask yourself why? Why this? Why now? Like, is, are we close to getting Fountainhead released or something? Like, why? Why are we? Why is this coming out now?
1: Why? Why is? Why uh, it's is completely this because happening? of the digital release. I think it's because it was going to be another success, and this threatens them. Yeah, but why this would WB? Them. Yeah, why, why would WB not want to make money here? Right. It's the the
0: or is this the old guard of WB from the grave like stabbing out right? Because correct because cause those people are back are at other studios right? Yeah, yeah, they're at other studios now, right? Right. All those but assholes. The
1: people who are still within WB, their jobs are threatened because of the merger with Discovery.
0: That's true. If, if, that's if true. I don't think Discovery. I don't think Discovery is going to take any of this shit. They seem to have oh. their, their heads on a little bit uh you know they they seem to be like uh, <laughs> like they're they're like the, the the they're like hollywood like in like the early 2000s or 2010s right like they're, they're have not, they, haven't, the content, they haven't devolved
1: to this place have you seen the content discovery releases do they give a fuck what people think about their content and that's true that's true i mean the 90 day fiance franchise prints them so much money do you think they give a fuck no, no. as long they as people have the watch it money. and it sells yeah. right And so the the people are... There's two levels of this, William. One, you're 100% correct. The people are threatened by... The old people who are still there are threatened that if the new people go, shit, why did you not support this from the beginning? How do they explain that, right? How do they explain that? my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. The second I said that, I knew that that drop was coming. And I was like, I hope he just ignores it because of how serious this (laughs) this content is. But I knew that was coming. But do you get what I'm saying? That... They're worried that they're going to look at them and say, "Well, why did you just not support them from the beginning?" And then they have well, no explanation. The trolls,
0: we didn't support them because the trolls.
1: Right. Well, and that's
0: the, the argument that they're trying to make. the toxic fandom. I I I don't like this. I okay. This is I think toxic fandom. I, I think it's I'm going to nominate this as a candidate for an anti-concept. All right? Toxic fandom. I'm going to I'm going to nominate this as an anti-concept. We've already laid out the evidence here. We've we've looked at two Communities. We've done it in the past more in depth with Gamergate, but here we're looking at the Snyder, uh, uh, at least the Snyder Cut uh, uh, community. And we've got, you know, the first rule of the internet, as I declared, uh, is there will always be trolls. And so to call a fandom toxic, I think, is an anti concept because you're not looking at the actual, uh, you're, you're package dealing the thing that we automatically know is in every internet community, trolls, with people who are generally concerned about the topic. Correct. And, and I, I I don't know if it quite reaches the level of anti concept. I'm gonna nominate it anyways, because it it obliterates that distinction between people like I, I can imagine a, a a purely toxic fandom. I, I can imagine that. But I don't know that I know of one, right? There are lots of people co opted by their their trolls, right? Like that's that's definitely something that happens. But then I'm sure I could find in that community people who actually care about the topic. Right. Or actually right.
1: care about the art or whatever we're talking about. Right. Right. The, the key phrase you said is actually care, because here's the thing about fandom and stand or whatever words you want to say, even if it becomes to the point that it's self-destructive. Right. Because, like, I mean, you look at these as we saw with the Disney influencer at the top there. Yeah, Yeah. She is ultimately still a Disney fan. Right. Right. She's ultimately still a Disney fan. And when you're a fan of something, ultimately, there's some sort of value held there. There's some sort of love. You love something that's been created and you want to see the creation continue or continue to help create it, right? These bots, these toxic people are jumping on for the purpose of destruction because they see that they want to destroy something. And, and here's that how, like,
0: and, and here's how it's an anti or how it kind of meets that criteria of an anti-concept. It causes, it causes, um, I, I can give. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to to artists or creators or studios or whoever that's creating the art. When you face and 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 call the fandom toxic, you're attributing you're, you're discounting that care and attributing the opportunist troll uh, mentality onto your entire fan base. Right, and that's that's not healthy as an artist. Because now you're going to engage everyone that way and you're going to read everything that way. And so every criticism or thing that could be read as criticism is going to – you're going to read it as coming from that, that oh, this person is just trying to manipulate me or is just trying to get likes or is just trolling, right?
1: Well, now you're getting into the broader cultural stuff because we have a negative connotation with the word criticism for that reason because many people use criticism – with the interpersonal hostility perspective to be destructive. And many people take criticism as necessarily destructive because of what you're saying. And it goes back to what I said, the Marxist oppressor versus oppressed mentality. And it goes back to the interpersonal hostility. And that's where we're going deeper with this. When we look at the rest of this article, William, this is where this becomes deeper than simply saying, Oh, Snyder manipulated this. Not only are they trying to use that anti-concept they're trying to label, with the fandom itself, they're trying to do that with Snyder's art in general, and that has been my argument for years about Snyder's work. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the article pivots to that. And there's some pretty heavy gaslighting here. Yeah. To continue well, with just, the article,
0: just, just to integrate really quickly, this this integrates nicely with the the the, the idea of the artist because of this anti concept the artist is looking at their fans in 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 this twisted light it also uh, uh hurts the fans because the fans have to engage with the artist in this sort of hostile environment right yes. and they they're they're being told that that if you don't like uh you know if you don't like uh beardless uh, elves in lord of the rings that you must be uh, a white supremacist right and yes. and it it's it what it does is it destroys the fandom because you you're not allowed to have your own opinions on things because clearly you must be if you if you do not toe the line if you do not uh, uh, love product and, and and get excited to consume next product then you must be a troll <laughs>
1: That's what happens when I say I don't like Marvel. I don't like the three-hour trailer for the next three-hour trailer, right? And actually, what you're talking about, that gaslighting you just said, is what happens over the rest of this article, right? And it's been going on with Snyder movies forever. So to continue, right, with your amazing point, let's keep that in mind as we continue. Every superhero tale needs an origin story, and the groundwork for the Snyderverse siege had been laid well before 2020. While Snyder denies it, one source tells Rolling Stone the director had a digital hired a digital marketing firm to juice fan engagement in 2016. When its 250 million firm, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, was savaged by critics, earning a dismal 29% Rotten Tomatoes rating and disappointed Warner Brothers brass at the box office, as well as the DC fan base. The movie took in 874 million worldwide. A DC standalone film like 2019 Joker by comparison cost 70 million and earned 1.074 billion worldwide. Nevertheless, the Snyder Army was coalescing. So here they go, William. What you just said. They're just putting that package deal in there, right? The only reason we came around is because a digital media marketing firm was hired to juice us. Yeah, we weren't yeah. around, right? We weren't around before. Batman versus Superman. It's only because of the negativity. I don't even believe this firm was hired by Snyder. It may have been hired by the studio. And Snyder was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with it, but this is also after the negative bots. And this is perhaps those bots. Uh, this is another one of those.
0: Uh, let me get this straight. A movie company hires a digital marketing firm to promote and defend their movie against right. critics. Right. So in other words, uh, uh, accused of doing their job. Well, OK,
1: but also let's look at it from the pr- proper perspective, like you were saying, if you are a fan and you love something, wouldn't everyone coming out against it make you want to get together and defend it?
0: Yeah. And and here, just to be clear, defend it means point out maybe what people are missing or not seeing. Right. And, and point out what you see and connect to. In it. And and by doing that, of course, you get called toxic fandom.
1: Right, and isn't that what you just said? Isn't that what we've been doing in the mid-side since before Man of Steel? Because that's what's been happening since at least, at least Watchmen. Actually, Snyder gave an interview way back in the day before Watchmen came out. Said he's been getting death threats even since Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, people got yeah. mad about Dawn of the Dead and gave him death threats about that. Yeah. Right. Well, the death threats
0: towards Snyder is fine because he's a he's a white male. Right. White male. The point death threats. being,
1: the point being. We literally stand here, right? This goes back to what I said at the beginning about our unique perspective. We stand here as examples of naturally. It wasn't a digital media firm that juiced us. I mean, the of times w- Hold s- on, I'm waiting for the check. If if we're supposed
0: to get juiced, <laughs> where's the check? I'm, well, let me uh, check the. Hold on, let me check the Patreon account real fast.
1: I, I'm waiting I, for the check or either to literally looking, get. Juice. I, hold
0: on, I just looked at our Ethereum wallet. I don't see any. I don't see that juicing. Oh, you didn't get the hand jobs.
1: I did not. No, I either want the juicing or the hand jobs. Right? Like I'm going to get juiced somehow here. I'm going to get juiced uh, somehow. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh when this goes back to Man of Steel, like, do you remember William? I don't know if you had this experience, but I've shared this experience a billion times. The number of times I saw. Man of Steel in, in theaters and was like this is a fucking amazing movie. And then I went online and read about it, and people were telling me it was the worst movie they've ever seen and how evil it was. And then I would go back and watch it again. And I'd be like, this is amazing. And then I'd read the critiques. And I'd be like, why do they hate it so much? It's it's been the same thing. It's this this is the same gaslighting, is it not? It is telling you what you saw not what happened.
0: Yeah, will we see it in reverse, right? Because we, we 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 we've watched some terrible movies and been like. This is terrible, and then you read the reviews and like, what movie did you watch? <laughs> right.
1: Get out, us, yeah, yeah Jordan Peele out, movies, us. yeah, exactly. I need, well, I need Jordan Peele movies for sure, right? And it's happening again. This part of the reason this is happening is how popular Zack Snyder's Justice League was that people watched it. Like, is, Wait, this is actually is. pretty good. It is. Yeah, is right. Is. The Last Jedi, right? This is how The Last Jedi connects. Terrible yeah. movie, right? Terrible Even movie. disregard yeah. the On politics. Its surface.
0: Yeah, the, the, forget the lack of canon respect. Like, all the, forget all the things, right? It's a nonsensical movie.
1: Right. Just killing Snoke for no reason. You're just like, oh, yeah. Snoke's dead now. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, And then, like, all of a sudden, this character, Rose, who... Like, I don't have a problem with Rose. You know I love Asian women. So, like, I have no problem. Hey, you want to make an Asian woman a big character in Star Wars? I'm all for that. But it was just like, randomly, here's Rose, and she's an important character now. Yeah, in the plot for no reason. Oh, (laughs) now she's pivotal. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Right? So we see this all the time, right? So they continue with this, too, right? On February 27, 2017, Snyder showed his first cut of the much-anticipated Justice League intended to be DC's answers to Marvel's all-star superhero juggernaut, The Avengers. Dude, If this is coming for people within WB, they fucking are on their knees for Marvel still. Do you see that? Yeah. yeah. Like, all-star superhero juggernaut. If you're at WB, wouldn't you look at the Avengers and be like, yeah, that was pretty good, but look, at what's happened since. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Do we want to be McDonald's? Which
0: which studio is in a good position right now? It's DC. (laughs) The way... Like, they don't need this multiverse and this, like, convoluted, like, whatever-the-heck-phase-bore is going on right now in Marvel... They have this. The audiences expect these stories to be, uh, to be their own thing, and yet have these characters in it that that right. that, that they that that actually that actually makes sense, right? right. That, and and you, you get it's more artistic too. You've got the, each director's take on it. What what movie has a director's like touch to it in Phase Four right now? Maybe maybe what was the one uh the thor one maybe that that kind of feels like a james gunn right was that james gunn or was it the uh the other dude you know the other dude. but they all look the same right they're all they're all the same there's yeah. there's no artistic uh uh the directorial sort of imprint on any of them
1: yeah so to continue with this paragraph uh the film had major issues including that it was convoluted and still too long at more than two and a half hours the movie was deemed a disaster and full-on failure by those in the room and as a result the studio pivoted and enlisted whedon to come on as a writer and consultant according to multiple knowledgeable sources knowledgeable see the gaslighting oh they're knowledgeable you're not even though you've seen the movie uh, on May fifth, twenty seventeen, Snyder screened his final version of Justice League on the Burbank lot for all of the studio department's head. It clocked in at two hours and eighteen minutes. One source with it familiar with it called it unwatchable and joyless. Meanwhile, Whedon, the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, was prepping to direct reshoots in the summer so that the film could make it make its November twenty seventeen release date. None of the backstage drama surrounding Whedon's hiring had surfaced in the press at the time. So this is the complete gaslighting, William, right? Unwatchable, joyless, disaster, full-on failure. We've seen the movie. Yeah. It's out there. You can watch it yourself and decide if those things are true. Also, maybe it was unwatchable, that cut, because you made him cut four hours down to two hours and 18 minutes. What happened with BVS? The Batman versus Superman, the theatrical cut was worse than the ultimate edition because you made him cut out all the connective tissue in order to reach two hours. Exactly. This is, this is the cultural battle. This is the cultural battle. They want to convince you that you didn't see what you saw. Then they want to tell you what you saw and that what, what they tell you is the narrative that will give them the power and love and attention and money that they don't believe they can get through honest means. Where who do they know can get it through honest means? Zach Snyder. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. And here here's some stuff to 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 finish this up, okay? So, the fandom which has been dubbed to- toxic by such outlets as Vanity Fair and Vox with the latter noting it as far more common with abusive right-wing campaigns like Gamergate than with most of the mainstream geek culture. Again, William, this is gaslighting by saying, oh, if you think this, you are not mainstream. And also, if you think this, you're abusive and right-wing and you're like Gamergate. So anyone who doesn't want to be associated with that stuff, what are they going to do, William? They have to distance themselves, right? And they have to agree with this article, right? You must and agree had, with the
0: narrative. Yep.
1: You, you must agree you,
0: with the narrative. Yep. That's the same thing with Gamergate, right? Like I said, right. I have to disavow uh, everything that ever uh, was said or will be said or is currently being said about Gamergate because you cannot work in the gaming industry and have any sort of nuanced view on Gamergate. There's only one narrative that is accepted. It's about uh, women in gaming and uh, 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 push against white, uh, racist white supremacists. And that's all it is. Like, there's no other, there's nothing, nothing else matters, right? It was all about uh, online abuse and toxic, uh, a, a toxic gaming uh, community.
1: Right. And what you're saying, it's not just in the gaming community. And I'm going to end with that in a second. But before we get to that, at the second to last paragraph of the article, and the quote I said before, way right at the beginning, was not the second to last from Snyder. This is the second to last paragraph from Snyder. As an artist, it was fulfilling to be able to see my vision realized after such a difficult time in my life and for it to be so well received. I am grateful to both the fan community and Warner Brothers for allowing this to happen. To dwell on negativity and rumors serves no one. Referencing various charitable causes to which the Snyder Army has donated funds, he adds, If this is indeed a balanced article, I hope that all the good work the fandom has done is being represented. This is a masterstroke by Snyder here, William. To yeah. put in that clause, if this is indeed a balanced article, creating an if-then statement saying, I hope, and then saying what they're not going to do, is leading, leaving the breadcrumbs for you to figure out yourself like he always does, right? And this is why there's so much disagreement over what his movies are about. He's leaving the breadcrumbs there because did they talk about all the good work the fandom has done? No, not at no. all. First of all, they implied, and I didn't even put it in here, they implied that Snyder was the one who bought all of the crowdfunding campaign results, right? They say there was no crowdfunding campaign for the the billboard and the plane with the message over Comic-Con, when there very clearly was. I mean, there was a, a battle within the fandom about who was responsible for that, right? Now, if you remember... I almost got kicked out of the fandom because I showed up to Comic Con and helped those people, and then they kind of just ditched me and another guy, and we were the only two doing anything. And I was like, "What the fuck? You guys are here to support. You're gonna go off do whatever the fuck you want." And they got mad at me. Remember, they took me out all the pictures and everything. They yeah, had pictures yeah. of my wife, they then girlfriend. You. Yeah, they unpersoned me, but they had my my girlfriend in there, which is hilarious, right? My now wife, right? Uh, so. I was directly involved with that. And you're going to fucking tell me that that didn't happen. So they're denying all this good work and they're not even talking about the good work of, Hey, guess what? These people wanted to see something by their favorite director and they got it to be released. Is that not good work? The fact that they were like, Hey, we want to see this cut, show it to us. And it got made. They don't even like talk about that. So this is a brilliant quote by him because he understands this is a greater battle because you're sitting here and you're talking about William over and over again how this reminds you of Gamergate. You know what else this re- reminds me of? Another gate. Do you remember Deflategate?
0: Oh man. If you've been drinking, uh, playing the inside drinking game, you're probably about <laughs> to go to the hospital.
1: Because. Isn't the same thing? Were they trying to convince us over and over again that there's no way Tom Brady could have won without deflating footballs? And they That's said right. if you're a real football fan, you hate the Patriots and you hate Tom Brady? And how yeah. many people have bought into that? And they still hate Bill Belichick. It's, it's, let me put it this way. They push that narrative so badly that it's literally the point now that people shit all over Bill Belichick and say it was only because of Tom Brady he was successful. Because yeah. they need to have some way of saying, I'm not one of the bad fans. And let's get a little political. It's the same thing of what we talked about recently with don't say gay. They tell you what the bill says without you reading the bill yourself. And then you have to believe that or you're seen as a bad person.
0: That's right. I, I believe right. Uh, I, I, I've I, my gay card uh, has been revoked for the 47th time because I don't I don't believe in that narrative either.
1: Right. And that's the point. What you are seeing with this article is a prime example of a perfect example of how people try to shape narratives. And what makes this article so farcical and such a good example and so important to talk about and pay attention to is it's so bad with what it does. It's so over the top with the way it tries to imply Snyder is a bad guy. I mean, it calls him Lex Luthor, right? It tries to imply he was in charge of the whole campaign. It tells you how bad his movies are, When reality is so obvious in the opposite direction, you are literally listening to the voice of people right now who were involved in this movement in person, right? I've met Dave, the film junkie in person. I've met Zack Snyder in person. I've talked to him in person on Dave's show, right? I was at Comic-Con promoting this. You were literally listening to somebody who was involved in this in person who is not toxic at all, who decried the toxic people over and over again, right? And you've literally seen the movie or you can see the movie. You can buy it on digital. I have it on 4K. You can get it on HBO Max. You can watch it on HBO Max. You can make the decisions yourself. Yet this article, years, this is the final thing, William, years after the movie came out, we're still talking about this. If that does not show you how farcical this is, and it does not show you how much of a threat to Zack Snyder many people to sorry, a threat to many people Zack Snyder still is. I don't know what else will convince you. Yeah. So that's why we went into this. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I think that's uh, that puts a bow on it. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that sort of breakdown of the Rolling Stone article I don't think you'll get that sort of breakdown anywhere else or from anywhere else with our perspective so hey if you enjoyed it maybe share that around a little bit and if you want to reach out to us and talk about it go ahead go ahead we're more than willing to uh, talk to you we always are I mean that's why right now we always love to talk about art and we're gonna we're gonna talk about art a little bit here it's time for the hopeful romantic with.
0: favorite episodes i can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. i need a rerun to better cast the next series of events in the air timeline laps my major tv type
1: was written off in the last season when i wasn't focused on like i was just saying if you enjoyed what you heard or you want to talk more about it think more about it you can do so by reaching out to us and one of those ways is our discord channel We love the content in our Discord channel. We love the conversations in our Discord channel. We're about to do Trailer Takedown here, and you'll see that we're going to read some comments from uh, the Midsiders who have participated in Trailer Takedown. So you can go to the midside.com, the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and in there there's a join code for joining our Discord. Join it. Talk to us. We would love to hear from you. That's how we can make sure we're all not being gaslit, right? We can help each other, right? I don't always agree with, and we'll see in my review here in a second, I don't always agree with this idea of you need a group, right? You need a group, but it can be helpful to have other people that can check you against reality. And, you know, check us against reality. Join our Discord. This week, William, I saw Minions, The Rise of Gru. And I saw this movie because, do you know what the major release was this week? No idea. It was Nope by Jordan Peele. And I was not going to go see that movie. Right? Nope. You're going to Nope right out of the theater. (laughs) Right. Right. So I just wasn't going to see it because, I mean, Get Out's terrible. Us had one really really good scene, right? The rest of it was pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. So I would just, I have no desire to see Nope. And look, I'm not going to act like I've seen all the Minions movies. I've only seen Despicable Me, but, you know, Minions are everywhere. And, I was I was curious. I was like, "Hey, what what is this?" and my wife went, Oh, yeah. I was like, "What's this going to be like and why are these so enduringly popular and why are the minions so enduringly popular?" And my wife wanted to see it. So, here is my one sentence review on um oh, crap, what's the platform? On Letterboxd. Sorry, my brain farted for some reason on Letterboxd. Here's my one sentence review on Letterboxd that I will very briefly go into. Though it's impossible not to enjoy the minions frantic shenanigans or I say frenetic. Sorry. Though it's impossible not to enjoy the minions frenetic shenanigans. The rise of Gru* reveals its disintegration when Gru literally explicate its, explicates its its theme at the end. So there's two things about this movie. Right. And I put them both in there. I get why the minions are popular. Right. Like. They're hilarious. Like when they get into something there, it's this way of like everything goes wrong, but still works out for them. And the way in which things go wrong is absolutely ridiculous. So the character design, whoever came up with the character design, William for the minions, like, I hope that person's rich. I hope that person has fucked me money. Right. Because Mm. it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, now the other side of that is of course, while the story, you know, it has good beats and it, you know, it flows well and it's, it's it, you know, it's fine to watch. It ultimately is, is disintegrated because it sort of only on a surface level touches on things, right? It shows sort of Gru in like one or two scenes doesn't have a good relationship with his mother because this is a prequel, right? This is a prequel where we find out how Gru started to become who he is, who how he started to become the supervillain he is. Yeah. And, it, you know, Gru sort of throws the minions out and fires them at one point. Right. And it only like very briefly for 30 seconds shows how they got hired and everything. And the reason I'm pointing all these out is people could say, this is the argument for it being integrated, but they don't spend enough time on this. Now I understand it's a kid's movie, but Pixar has shown how kids movies can still have that depth, right. And the emotional resonance and the thematic, uh, you know, conceptual resonance. They yeah. didn't have this here. Cause you get to the end Of the rise of Gru, and he literally says the theme where he says, you know, I've learned that you don't always have to go it alone. You just have to find your tribe, which those are, by the way, that's a package deal if I've ever seen one, William. Right. So we want to talk about the morality. Right. I'm not even talking about if morality makes for good art or not. But if you want to talk about the morality of that, realizing you don't have to go it alone and finding your tribe are two completely different things. One is just like what I was saying. We can all talk to each other and help each other in the Discord, and you know, be a a community that supports each other. But finding your tribe that implies allegiance, and that implies belonging, and that uh, implies necessary loyalty, even if you disagree with what's going on. Am I wrong, yeah. William, with the the dichotomy between those two statements?
0: Yeah, I think it, it, it is a little bit of package dealing, right? Like, because there's a healthy way in, let, in which you could say find your tribe, right? But uh, but that. There's a, a very unhealthy way that find your tribe can can be as well.
1: Right. And that's the ultimate problem with the movie is it doesn't like go into enough of well what does that actually mean? It just tacks it on at the end. And in a way, I, you know, and I rated this very similarly and I rank it very similarly on my year list so far. It's very similar to the animated movie, The Bad Guys, which is also a DreamWorks movie right? Where, Hey, you're going to enjoy watching it. The animation's great. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and it's generally benevolent, but when it starts to get into this deeper morality, it's trying to teach children. It doesn't really go into it. It just sort of drops statements that are conventional and you're supposed to sort of fill in the blanks yourself, I think, or I think the writers kind of fill in the blanks themselves, or it's just, it's not very good writing. Like I think, Was it on the Adam Carolla show or Adam and Drew? I think it was the Adam Carolla show back in the day where he used to challenge the writers of Dora the Explorer to go try and write an actual movie or show, claiming they couldn't. Well, it's kind of the similar thing here, right? Where I think they kind of pass off bad writing or pass the buck on it because it's a kid's movie. All right. So that's what already is out. Let's talk about what's going to come out with some trailer takedown. I usually post the trailers a day or two before we record the show. Uh, Usually that's on Saturdays. Usually record on Sundays. This week we're recording on a Saturday. They're always released on Mondays. But the point of putting the trailers in there is to get some of your responses. See what you have to say about the trailers so you can contribute to trailer takedown. Or if you don't want to contribute, maybe you just want to watch all the trailers before, uh, you know, we talk about them. Or maybe you want to do it while we're talking about it, all right? You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. House of the Dragon is the Game of Thrones prequels that I guess somebody asked for. I don't know who asked for it um, about the Targaryen Empire. Uh, look, as I've said with Game of Thrones, the production value looks tremendous on this. You cannot, uh, you cannot fault that with the Game of Thrones franchise as far as like what it's actually about. It seems to me that they were just like, how do we do a story about Daenerys as a kid without actually having Daenerys as a kid? Cause this is like 300 years before, um, this is 300 years before game of Thrones. Right. So it was very, very strange for me. Uh, I will say that the cast of this is, is great. I mean, Matt Smith, we know from Dr. Who and Olivia cook, Olivia cook is tremendous. I'm waiting for her to have like her huge mainstream breakout because if you've ever watched Bates motel, she was tremendous. So you know what? I don't wish ill on this show. I don't want it to, to fail. But for me, well, let me put it this way. Midsider Ed Joe said dragons versus the patriarchy. He's tackling it. Um, Midsider um, Patrick just said, who cares about it? And I think both of those kind of sum up what I'm saying. Like, I like the cast, but there's just nothing for me personally to, to say that this will not be a worse version of Game of Thrones. And we know my problems with Game of Thrones. Tackle. Tackle.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Dragons vs. Patriarchy is spot on. And uh, I will say, Justin, that the seasons with the highest production value had the worst writing. In game that's true so that's that this the I it, agree looking like it looking so good is a huge red flag for me so for that
1: reason tackle tackle second trailer dungeons of dragons honor among thieves is i don't even know like i was like oh dungeons and dragons this will be a dungeons and dragons movie but then i watched this trailer and i was like did somebody like make a movie and then like shop around for an ip to associate with it I like Look, I never played Dungeons & Dragons, but from what I know about it, this doesn't really have anything to do about Dun- with Dungeons & Dragons besides taking place in a fantasy world. It has a decent cast, right? It has Chris Pine. It has uh, Michelle Rodriguez, right? And it looks pretty affable, right? Like, this doesn't look offensive. It doesn't look like it looks like a middle-of-the-road movie. It looks kind of like, I don't know, Rise of Gru is kind of like a good comparison for it, or Uncharted, which I ranked pretty similar to Rise of Gru, we're like, hey, it's Mark Wahlberg, it's Tom Holland, and they're in an action adventure movie with some comedy. Like, you'll enjoy it if you watch it, but like, it's probably going to have a stupid or underdeveloped theme. So this is really, this is really. It depends on what's out around the same time. It depends on what's out around the same time, is it? Um, midsetter Ed Joe says, "Dragons versus unrelenting quirks. Soft tackle. I think soft tackle is a way of good." Uh, saying about it, um, but for me, it's—I really wish we had like a contextual tackle because, like, I never thought I'd see Rise of Gru either. But I didn't like hate it from the trailer. It's the same thing here. Like, I don't hate this movie, but it's also not like, yeah, I want to see this movie. So, like, do we have like a sort of like a, a, um, I want to say a consolation tackle? I want to say like when you console someone. Like sorry, dude. Like I got other stuff to do. It's that kind of tackle. Tackle? That's all we got. Yeah, we're gonna we, we'll talk to. We gotta get some more tackles, yeah. Midsider Dan Mid-Siter on Siter here. Dan. Where he's like tackle, man. I'm sorry, man. Tackle. We'll figure it out. <laughs> he's he's good. He I didn't yeah. direct him at all on those. He did that himself. So I'm gonna let the artist do his, apply his craft. Yeah, his I'm not gonna tell him yeah, what exactly. to do. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I I. I had that same feeling, Justin. I was like, "Why? Why are we skinning this in Dungeons and Dragons? Because it's the same." And I'm tainted because I think that the the uh, uh, Lord of the Rings Rings of Power Amazon shit is the same thing. It's like, why are we skinning this in Lord of the Rings? Tell your story. Is it possible I think that one's for, more insidious than this one. Yeah, yeah, but is it is it possible to in in modern writing to tell your story without it being a subversion of someone else's story? Are we really that far down the uh, uh, the creative uh, lack of creativity black hole that that you would you call this a subversion? Now? I don't know. I, I don't see it. But I'm not. Here's the thing. I'm not as familiar with the Dungeons and Dragons, right. Dungeons and Dragons lore. I just yeah. know what they've been doing to the game. They've been wokeifying yeah. the game and de-sexifying oh. the characters and all that sort of stuff. So I can't see it without that framing, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. So there's no. I can't. I can't look at it and not just be on guard. I can't. I can't suspend my disbelief and enjoy it as just a movie, like you're talking about, because I know what they're doing to the game. So yeah. So the fact that they've chosen this skin for the movie makes it unwatchable for me. Just like Uncharted. I know you enjoyed Uncharted. I couldn't watch it. I've played the games. So it wouldn't... I, I couldn't... I, because it's skinned in that, I can't separate the games and the story and the plot and the and the characters from the games from the movie, right? And this isn't like, oh, they d- d- adapted it in a way I didn't like. It's not that at all. It's... it's it, The characters have an identity, right? The plot has a... Has has a a major beats right and and i you know dungeons and dragons is a little different because it's more of a universe but like still it's I, i can't see it without that context it would be very hard to um so unless we're gonna review
1: it no i think i'll pass tackle third trailer not okay is about a woman who is ignored and wants to become known So she fakes being a travel influencer, and while she's fake traveling to Paris, there's a terrorist attack there, and she has to fake come home and fake like she was in Paris the whole time, and eventually she is exposed. I think we did an earlier version of this one, didn't we? I think we did as well. And just to reiterate, I think that this trailer confirms what we said before, that uh, the description of the plot sounds a lot better than the actual execution of it. Like this seems like it should be a cool commentary on social media, but it just kind of looks like, again, sort of surface level schlock. So look what the not, patriarchy made me do. Right. So we're not going to waste time tackling this. So we're going to hold on. Move. I will say, I will say one thing. I have to say one thing. The fact that
0: a dude has more influence on Instagram than a chick at all, it automatically makes it completely unbelievable. Do you agree? Yeah.
1: Oh okay. yeah. I like, I was very surprised when they showed how few followers she had. Cause I was like, like if you're like a, a six or above as a woman and you're on Instagram, you I immediately have, have a lot of Minimum. followers. Yeah. Yep. And you get random dudes DMing you, hoping like you have low self esteem, hoping you're, I forget who the comedian who said the joke was like, but it's the idea of like tackling the slowest gazelle in the pack. Like, that's what they're hoping when they DM these women, you know? Yep.
0: Yep.
1: So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, that all said, bonus trailer! The I Am Groot trailer! Yeah. I Am Groot was released by Disney+, Plus. the trailer, as part of Comic-Con. Um, it looks like five episodes of him just saying, I Am Groot over and over again. Uh, I will say this about the trailer. Not the trailer itself, but William, have you read the comments on the trailer on YouTube? Uh, no, I didn't look at the comments. I usually don't like comments on the internet, but I will say that the comments did an excellent job here, and they were memeing the comments, making fun of that his only line of dialogue is, I am Groot. And here's a funny one that I actually posted. I find this one very funny that I posted it in my Instagram story. When the talking twig said, I am Groot, my wallet was filled with money. My rent was paid. My skin was cleared, and my whole being was moved. Those truly were words. And I mean, that's that's sort of the perfect encapsulation of <laughs> yeah. almost Marvel at this point, right? And I think sort of I am Groot is the logical endpoint of uh, Marvel. Like, if if you can enjoy watching this, I don't I don't know what I have to say to you because if they literally get you to the point that. There's a character who, I don't know how long these episodes are going to be, but even if they're five minutes long, for five minutes just keeps saying the same line of dialogue over and over again. This is like every annoying kid's show ever. Tackle. Tackle. You know, I like Guardians of
0: the Galaxy, but this seems like a bad choice. What are we doing in Phase 4? I don't understand. What are we building towards? How is this watchable?
1: Tackle. Tackle. I generally like Guardians 2, especially having watched Peacemaker and understanding that James Gunn is more benevolent than we thought, right? Yeah. Understanding his themes. Like, I disagree with his themes in Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy But They're
0: integrated. I, I, right. can, I can watch something that I disagree with their themes. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say.
1: Especially if it's benevolent, right? Yeah. When he talks yeah. about like, oh, it's about your family and it's about following your heart, he means that in the most benevolent way. He's not doing it in a way to manipulate. It's people. like a
0: Fast and the Furious movie, right? You can enjoy right. a Fast and the Furious
1: movie. Well, I would, I would say the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are a lot better than the Fast and the Furious movies. I would agree. But yes, I would agree. But as far as like, you can enjoy them even though you don't think they're the best thing ever. So yeah, it's kind of disappointing that even though I disagree with We Are Groot. Right, I get what James Gunn is going for it, and to see like this is what they're doing with the group character. All I want to know is, did they actually pay Vin Diesel for the series or not, or is this like somebody replicating his voice? Oh man, I'd be mad Can if I imagine were Vin Diesel.
0: being the, in the in the uh, in the booth and saying, "Oh no, I want more, uh, give me a little more <laughs> gravitas. I, I, oh, I just need a little more feeling on the on the R."
1: Final trailer. American Carnage is. Uh, <sighs> Do I even want to like summarize this? This is a propaganda piece. Okay. Like this is, this is, I'm actually going to compliment Jordan Peele at this moment. Okay. This is somebody, some studio or some other filmmaker who is like, Oh, wow. Look at what Jordan Peele did with Get Out and Us. We need to make one of those. And so they were like, let's make a movie about immigration. So all the dreamers, right? So what I mean by that is these, the children of, undocumented immigrants are taken by the U.S. government, except they're told you'll be deported unless you work in this old folks home without directly killing them, because it looks like they somehow take the youth out of them and they become the old people. Because, I mean, literally, this reminded me of Get Out. Remember how in Get Out you had like the two old black people hanging around who were very strange and you find out that they were actually the um, grandparents of the white family? And that's why they were acting strange because they were white people in black bodies. It's the same thing here where you had the one old lady who's like trying to warn them. I was like, she was yeah. definitely a younger immigrant and she became older. So this is. Right. There might even be a time travel element yeah, in here where I, that so is. Do that then, with the first right? I don't time know how they're going to do it. Like you're just but like, this, okay, like this is very oh, obviously somebody's trying to replicate the success of Jordan Peel, which again, I just gave a compliment to Jordan Peele, which tells you how bad this is, right? And the fact that they're doing it about immigration, like you think this is the best way to tell a story about why immigration should be legal and why we shouldn't be deporting people? Like I have sympathy for your argument, right? I have very been very clear that I am on the fence about the immigration debate, right? I think both sides have great arguments and that's the best argument you're gonna make? This is the way you're gonna make it in a horror story? Like Jordan Peele's execution, was terrible and get out in us, but at least your argument, you're like, okay, dude, I get your argument. I get where you're coming from, where you're talking about appropriation. I get why you did that. Like, it makes sense with this. I'm like, what does this have to do with immigration? The tackle, 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 tackle. Tackle.
0: I think if this had been done as a parody, it would be an awesome movie. Let's of why cut. I showed it. It says more yeah, comedy. Yeah, let's make a cut of it. Yeah, let's make a cut of it, a parody cut of it. I bet you, could, I bet you wouldn't have to change. Uh, like, I don't even think you would need any reshoots. Maybe a couple of, uh, uh, what was it, when they come in for just to, to redo a couple voice lines, right? I think you could the ADR just work, this, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you could make this into an incredible parody. Because it, it may already reach that level all on its own, right? A parody of what people who are uh, against immigration, uh, uh uh, free immigration are right. This is this is this could be hilarious, but somehow I don't think so. So I will do what needs to be done. Tackle, all right, Justin. Yeah, I'm- we've got four tackles, well, five technically.
1: Hold on, first of all, I want to give some props to Ed Joe. He said the woke view of reality versus Dungeons. So he had a good little theme going with his reviews with yeah. his tackles this week. Yeah, and everybody tackled everything. So, hey, Ed Joe and Patrick, <laughs> yeah. you guys tackled everything. That's right. And I don't Discord. think you said... We gotta see it. Oh, no, Ed Joe said he'd watch Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. Um, and I don't think Patrick... Yeah, Patrick, you didn't... Oh, no, he said he might hug another... No, he said tackle for everything. So, Patrick, yeah, Patrick didn't say. So, Patrick, you need to say in the chat in Discord which you would hug, right? And by the way, with the last one, he also said number four is nuts. People of a certain political persuasion don't really want illegals deported. For unspecified reasons, no reasons, they want them terrorized and gruesomely and supernaturally slaughtered, and that's uniquely American. So he's yeah. just saying the whole thing is ridiculous, right? Yeah, so yeah. I agree. We don't want them out of the so, country. We want
0: them in a, in a torture chamber.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. We want to true. steal their youth and then <laughs> kill them by turning them into demons. It's very bizarre. Very bizarre. Like I said, at least Jordan Peele's movies are on some level coherent, right? Um, so yeah, four tackles. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Midsider Ed Joe. If there's one, I would have to see. It would be Dungeons and Dragons simply because I would just say this has nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm just going to watch Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez in an amusing action, amusing action comedy. What about you, William?
0: Yep, that's definitely the only choice here. The only one that's even watchable, I think, by me personally, is the Dungeons and Dragons one. Again, because just because I'm not, you know, I'm not super into the lore and, and of dungeons and dragons but i still have that caveat i think it would be hard to watch if it if it goes woke it will be it'll, it might be something that i have to walk out of because i know what they've been doing to the cart to the um to the uh, game overall
1: yeah that's why i would only see it if um it there was nothing else out that weekend yeah right that's why i was like it's like the super like i'm gonna console you with my hug because i feel bad for you type deal and I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie. And when things go woke, I don't walk out of it. I just kind of go, oh, did it really have to go in this direction? Because honestly, usually the way things go woke nowadays, I don't know if you've noticed this. They wait till the end and then yeah, they, they, they like do something up, yeah. that's sort of yeah. like, oh, everything that came before was actually woke. And you're like, really, you're waiting till now to reveal it. I mean, I even sat through um, Smart by Olivia Wilde. So, you know, I can sit through most things. High tolerance, man. High pain tolerance. All right, that brings us to the end of this long but worthwhile episode. What did we learn this trip, William? Well, I learned more uh,
0: about the connection between uh, white supremacy, Gamergate, and Snyder Bots. Justin, what did you learn this trip?
1: Yeah, I learned the connection between white supremacy, Zack Snyder, Bill Belichick, Julian Edelman, and all the white receivers on the patriots, right? Because it's all connected, right? Patriot patriarchy. What alliteration. Uh, I just, what I really learned is going through that again, right after having some distance, cause I did all that breakdown a couple days ago and then look at it again. I learned how obvious and over the top that article was like, yeah. like you were saying about the, the last American carnage trailer. It's the same thing with the article. It wouldn't take much tweaking to turn that into, I mean, that's Walker joke right there, isn't it? That could yeah. be the Babylon B could it not? Yep. Yeah all right i want to thank you all for listening i mean especially this episode really shows how this is just me talking into a corner of my closet and i could be crazy could i be a bot am i a bot and i'm not aware i'm a bot is this babylon 5 is this a babylon 5 reboot am i one of the final what is it the final six is that what yeah. it was I am i one of the final Battlestar six galactica but yes especially, yeah what did i said i say babylon, babylon 5? 5 yeah. <laughs> yeah what a what a remake and what a twist they're all the same Babylon five, oh, Deep Space no. Nine, Battlestar oh, Galactica. No. Shots fired. I'm sorry. Oh, no. It's cause With ladies the BCs. and gentlemen, I am not a genius. <laughs> it's a good use of that drop. It's a good use of that drop. No, yeah. I mean I, I think though I would have been a better of the final what were they called? The final six or what? Uh
0: what were they it, called? I don't know. It's the nine. Was, was there the nine yeah, yeah. Oh, that was but, the nine. So there were yeah. nine silons. Well, we right? the, yeah, there were, but we know who the leader is, right? Chandler, it's all your fault. <laughs> He's, that's the leader. So
1: But I would want I would have rather it have been Chandler than Ellen Ty. <laughs> yeah, right? True. I would have rather been you. Look, if they had if they had been like, you know what, the final member of the this 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 the nine Cylons is you. Uh that would have been a better twist than it being Ellen Ty. That's true. Right? All right. So, again, thank you all for listening, right? Really appreciate it. If you want to support us, you can go to themidside.com slash the cut, and you can buy my novel, my fictionalization of what happened behind the scenes of the Snyder Cut, and maybe you'll learn a little bit more about the reality than, I know it's weird to say, right, it's fictional, but it's more about the reality, than reading that Rolling Stone article, Or you can support us on Patreon or Locals, right? The uh, Midside.com slash Patreon, Midside.com slash Local. Or you can go to the Midside.com slash store and pick up a Hale Snyder t-shirt. That's how we keep the lights on. And here's the best way you want to help. Tell a friend, right? Tell a friend. Let's get all the non-bot people together. Let's get that 87% together. You know what? Rather than the 40 Club, it should be the 87% Club now. The 87% Club. Join that. Let's join the 87% club. This concludes your journey into the mid-side. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Hail Snydra.
0: didn't think we'd do that tag again the hill snyder tag but hey you get an opportunity you take it it'll keep
1: coming back it'll keep coming back greatest hits